0: We're talking with Natalie Adona. She is the Assistant Clerk, Recorder, Registrar of Voters, in Nevada County. You have a long title there, Natalie.
1: Oh, it is a beefy title.
0: Yeah. Yes. So we're talking uh, with you because there is a group of citizens in Nevada County that have a petition to recall the entire board of supervisors, the entire Nevada County Board of Supervisors, which uh, is, I guess this is a precedent. It's never happened before, or has it?
1: Not that I know of, Um, certainly not in Nevada County. The last time I think um, any group of people wanted to initiate a recall in Nevada County, I think it was back in 2014. So uh, a recall uh, locally is not something that we see a whole bunch in my office, and certainly we have never had a request to recall all supervisors. So, yeah, this is a pretty unique situation.
0: So, in California, the process is what initiative, referendum, recall? Is is it a three-part process, or how does it work?
1: Uh, well, recall is it's you know sort of its own thing, but you know, so out here in in the western part of the United States, there are uh, several states that offer the ability of citizens to either propose new laws or, uh, in this case of a recall, um, remove an elected officer from their current position. So that's what the recall is all about. Uh, if you or your listeners want to learn more about it, the places to start, you know, first at the California Constitution, uh, which sort of defines, the, um, defines the process of recall, and then, you know, in the elections code specifically, Division 11, there are a lot of rules that will sort of make your head spin. So if you're sort of into that sort of thing, or, you know, if you have insomnia and you want to crack open the elections <laughs> code, uh, I would start with Division 11. So uh, basically, the, the steps for recall sort of start with something called a notice of intention. And, uh, that's sort of what is making the news right now, but you know, that's sort of what you do first. Once you have that notice of intention, you could get proponents. You make sure that the person that you want to recall has notice <laughs> and that they have the opportunity to answer. Then you can circulate a petition. You have to gather enough signatures in order to bring that recall to ballot. And, you know, once the, de- the determination is made that you have enough signatures, then an election is called and then um, it, it gets onto a ballot. So that, that is the, the umbrella of things that happen during a recall. There are a lot of little details in between. And I know that we don't have a heck of a lot of time, so I'm going to try to sort of, um, sort of offer the big rocks, allow people to, to sort of do their own research. So the recall of a state officer is a little bit different than the recall of a local official like a board of supervisors. You know, some of that process sort of played out earlier this year with the um, recall election of Gavin Newsom, A little bit different in terms of, you know, some of the details, the main process pretty much remains the same. So uh, I'm going to talk a little bit uh, about the the notice of
0: intention. Go right ahead.
1: Uh, The notice of intention really is the, the opportunity for proponents to sort of publicly declare that they wish to recall an elected official. So that notice of intention has to have the the name of the person and their title uh, of the person who they want to recall. They need a statement of no more than 200 words saying why they want to recall this person. And they need to get a certain number of proponents, and those proponents have to be sort of eligible to, to vote for this office right? And, and then they have to have some, some other, you know, sort of more technical requirements on this sheet of paper. So basically what happened this week is these proponents got the, a, a number of signatures for every single supervisorial district. In this case, they needed 20 per supervisorial district to sort of sign on as, as proponents on this notice of intention. And so they gathered those signatures and brought these notices of intention over to us with proof that they had served the, the applicable Board of Supervisor, right? So for District 1, for example, you have to have proponents that live in District 1, and then you have to provide proof that, you know, you have this notice of intention. It was signed by all these people, and, you know, they provided a copy, to the supervisor for District 1, and then brought all of that over to our office. So, you know, picture that and multiply it by
0: each supervisorial district.
1: So So, that's what we got
0: yesterday. So they don't do this as one big giant file, then it's, it's six or seven different, you know, five or six different files then they're filing against. This supervisor, this supervisor, this supervisor, not just all supervisors, or is it possible? For them to uh, file it for all supervisors?
1: It's particular to the officer who's the subject of a recall. So, um, you can't just say, well, I, we recall all of the Board of Supervisors without their names and, uh, you know, without the sort of relevant proponents, because the election law is, you know, sort of centered around candidates and uh, elected officials in, in the case of a recall. So it is very much centered on the individual. So yes, you're right. Um, five supervisorial districts, five different notices of intention, five different proofs of service.
0: So Let me ask you this. So let's say this goes through, then there's a special election to see if we recall them. Is that correct?
1: It's going to depend. The election law uh, prescribes the dates that uh, all elections happen. But the case of a recall, it's a little bit different. The timing matters. So there's, there's a whole bunch of process in between the notice of intention and things actually going to ballot. But, you know, from the time that we sort of declare that there are enough signatures to have a recall on the ballot, then we are obligated to hold an election no less than 88 days after that declaration, and no later than 125 days after that declaration. And so if there is a regularly scheduled election that falls in between that period of time, then we can consolidate with that existing election. But if there is no pre-existing election falling within that time, then we would have to do a standalone so um, there's a lot of unknowns right now as to when you know, the, the timing of, of certain processes. So I don't know at this point whether we could consolidate with any election, or or whether we would have to have a standalone election.
0: Let me ask you a question. Let's say this process goes forward, hypothetically. Let's say it got to the point where they were going to replace all five supervisors before an actual election, four supervisors came up again, what would happen then? Who would fill those vacancies until the actual next election?
1: Well, it would be a process that's very similar to what you experienced with the gubernatorial recall. So with any recall election, there are two questions. And the first question is, would you like to recall this officer? And the second question is, if this officer is recalled, who would you like to replace them? So, I mean, if we're calling an election, then we would have to, you know, open up the field to have replacement candidates. You know, we'd have to build a ballot that, I mean, if if all five of them, you know, are sort of successfully put onto a recall ballot, then we would have to have five separate questions. Would you like to recall so-and-so, would you like to recall, so-and-so, and if they're recalled, you know, who would you like to replace them? So, um, so yeah, yeah, it would be very similar to, you know, what, what happened in September.
0: All right, I'm gonna, I know that we've got a lot to cover in the next few months, so we'll leave that for the next few months. One last question here, who's going to pay for all of this if we do have a recall?
1: If there is a recall election, then the county would be obligated to hold uh, an election, so the cost would come to the county.
0: So that's basically back to the taxpayers. Have we figured out how much per person it will cost to have a recall election?
1: Well, you know, I think that um, when we do elections, they're normally consolidated. Uh, So, say, you know, if you have the... City of Nevada City hold an election. They usually ask us to do it, and uh, they they do that because we have all the equipment, and um, you know we, we sort of do elections as a normal course of business. But you know also, it's it's kind of expensive to have a standalone election, so we um, charge our, our special districts and our municipalities whoever we want to whoever wants to consolidate with a regularly scheduled election. They get charged a, a, a buck twenty-six per voter. Uh, if you have a standalone election, it, it's it's different because then you know we have to also factor in you know all of the staff time to train, to build an election, to print a ballot, to send that ballot to people. Um, you know, a preliminary estimate right now is is, is released. Uh, we estimated that you know a, a, a district could be $260,000 for a standalone election. If it's expanded to, to to more districts, it would obviously be more expensive because we would have to print more ballots and mail out to more people. Um, but but yeah, um, <laughs> democracy, is it, it costs money. <laughs> and so yeah, that, that cost will be borne by the county.
0: Thank you for all this information. It's very important to all of us voters out here. We've been talking with Natalie Adona. She's the Assistant Clerk, Recorder, Registrar of Voters, Nevada County, and uh, we'll be talking with you, I'm sure, more in the new year, Natalie.
1: I'm sure you will be. Thanks so much.